Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And good morning. Happy Tuesday to you. Welcome into the program. And uh, I wasn't going to start the show with this, but since, uh, since Stephanie set it up, since she opened the door in that segment with Phil, and uh, if you missed that, we'll have the podcast up in just a little bit. But since she opened the door to talk about it, I will bring it up. She mentioned the story of how she met her boyfriend, Scott. And she said, you know, I, I could tell my side of it, my perspective of it. So she was, she was being kind to me in the retelling of that story. She was not happy with me that day. So we had been at a paranormal convention uh, down in Provincetown. So we're all the way down the end of the Cape. And... I had to be in Fall River by, I forget what time it was, 3 p.m., 4 p.m., something like that, because I was supposed to go film a segment for this TV series. Now, this is a TV series that I worked on, as she mentioned, as a writer and as a researcher and as a producer. So I worked behind the scenes. It was called Haunted Towns, and I worked behind the scenes kind of crafting the story of, of why these towns might be haunted overall, like why some of the different hauntings in these towns might be connected. So I would kind of come up with the theory, and then the investigators would go out and investigate and see if they can, you know, figure things out. And so I decided, you know, as, as, as the person trying to find these locations, well, naturally, I wanted to make sure that we put the South Coast out there. So we, we had a Fall River episode where we talked about how the Lizzie Borden story went beyond just the Lizzie Borden bed and breakfast. And we were supposed to film at Maplecroft, her home that she lived in after the murders. But her, the, the person who owned Maplecroft at the time got really flighty about us coming there and filming. Uh, it, you know, we were all set to go. Everything was locked in. We were paying her a pretty good amount of money, more than we paid for any other location on that entire series shoot. And so the plan was for her to fly in from Texas and meet us. Uh, meet them there on, on a Friday so that they could film some stuff ahead of time. They were also going to be going to the, the, they went to the Ash Street Jail and they filmed with then Sheriff Hodgson. Uh, they filmed some stuff at, uh, at the house itself, at the, the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, as it was known at the time. And so they're doing all this other stuff. So they were supposed to meet her on Friday, film some things, and then they were going to come back. Well, on Friday, they're calling me. They're like, she's not here. And I'm, trying to like frantically text her she's not responding to any of my texts i'm like maybe maybe flying in from texas maybe she got rerouted or you know she something happened with a plane or something 
and she's just sitting there waiting in the airport. I don't know. And they're like, we see somebody up on the third floor looking out at us. So she, I guess she was in the house but didn't want to open the door and let them in and eventually got back to me and said, I changed my mind. So now we're stuck without having a place to film, which, you know, on the fly, we were able to, to make some adjustments, but they wanted to have some kind of Maplecroft presence. So they had me come and film outside of Maplecroft. Like I was walking down the street, the investigator's truck pull up. They see me there like, oh, it's Tim. He's the guy that's going to tell us about this. And then I sit in the truck and I tell them some stuff about Lizzie Borden after, after the trial. And that was cool. Like the filming was went, went okay. It went pretty well. I didn't really know the people involved in the show personally. I had only known them from, you know, they would say to me all the time as I was researching places like, oh, you should talk to Scott. You should talk to Scott. And so that was like kind of my limited interaction with him. So I filmed my whole thing. Stephanie is standing on the side, freezing and starving uh, because she, when we left Provincetown, she was in her car. I was in my car. We had to get to Fair, uh, Fall River by a certain time. The plan was to meet here at the station and take one car over from here. Well, I stopped to get something to eat because I was starving. She did not because we were cutting it too close. And so she was super mad at me because I, I stopped for to, to eat. I got some barbecue and, uh, and she was starving. So we... We flew down to Fall River and she's standing outside watching me film and is just miserable. It was a day like today, weather like today. So she's just miserable and cold and uh, they're making me like walk up and down the street again and again so they can get me at different angles. And so I and the whole reason I wanted to bring her there was because I wanted to use her on the show. I wanted them to, to have her be part of the show because I thought she could add a, a really interesting element to things. They were going to be going to film in Cape May, New Jersey, which was a spiritualist town and a town full of mediums. And I said, you know, for that episode, they should go old school and, and, and try different things and not use all the technology and all that. And you should bring a medium. And so I was trying to convince them that she was the one to use. So I wanted her to meet the crew. I wanted her to meet the cast and, so that's why I had her standing there waiting. So it, it, when I was done filming, I introduced her to everybody. And when her and Scott locked eyes, I was just like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, you know how people say that they experience love at first sight? This was like standing there and watching that from the sidelines. Like I could just tell immediately that there was a spark there. And, you know, she talked about the lightning bolt that her and Scott both felt go up their arms. Like you, that was visible. Like they could not take their eyes off each other, even as she's talking to the other guys that are part of the team and, and the producers, like she, she's just fixated on Scott and he on her. And then we had actually gone after that. We went over and visited uh, the cemetery, Oak Grove Cemetery to visit Lizzie's grave. And when we were over there, we happened to run into some of the producers who were over there filming what they call B-roll stuff that they would use, like kind of in the background of telling the story on screen and like Stephanie was just kind of out of it a little bit. Like it, I could tell it took her a few minutes to kind of like come back to earth. So it was, it was a really interesting experience and I've watched their relationship grow uh, over the years and I've seen that connection with them grow deeper and deeper. And, you know, so Scott, Scott's like a brother to me now. I mean, I, 
I, I love him. And uh, so it, it, it's all worked out for the best. But, man, it was weird because I don't believe in that kind of stuff. And I saw it happen before me. So, anyway, that's the story from my perspective. Since she teased it, I figured I would share it. All right. Well, we have a lot of things that we can discuss today at 508-996-0500. A programming note for you. Uh, Barry is going to be out today. He needed to take a personal day. So uh, Jessica Machado will be in for him. And I am sure that a major topic of discussion with her today will be school safety after uh, what happened in Nashville yesterday. Uh, she will want to talk about that, I'm sure, in depth because that is something she's been talking about even even before she had a program here. This was uh, a topic that was discussed on, on Barry's show. Uh, she came in with a friend. The two of them had been working to better secure Somerset schools, and they came on with Barry and talked about it. And that's, that's when I first met her because I was here at that time uh, filming it on YouTube for when, when we would have the WBSM-TV option. And so I realized then, I was like, oh, this, this person's pretty good. She could be a talk show host. And so I became friends with her and just kept it in the back of my mind that, you know, maybe she's somebody that could fill in sometimes or she would be a good regular guest. And so Barry started having her on and I started having her on. So when we moved Marcus into South Coast tonight, it just made sense to, to offer her her own program. And she's done a great job with it, as you know. Uh, she, she not only just hits it out of the park every Saturday from one to four, but she got the attention of the Howie car show. And now they use her as a fill in person for grace and for Howie. So if you, if you didn't get a chance to hear last Friday, when she filled in for Howie, you can check out the podcast. She was on the last two hours. And, and I think that that's, that's a really good time to have her on, on a Friday because they can talk about the issues, but she also gets to cover the fun stuff that they get to do. Like police blot our facts Friday and, and uh, and the winer uh, the uh, I almost said the winer line the chump line they get to do all of that with her so she's you know she has a lot of fun with that so you can check that out including her back and forth with Taylor about why Taylor hates Fall River so I was listening to it on on Saturday uh, when I was driving to Rhode Island I was catching up with it and I was just laughing the whole time I was like that's that's the, that's the good stuff that's the stuff that we can't get away with we can't get away with dumping all over Fall River. But Taylor can on the Howie Car Show. So you can check that out. But So the phone lines will be open, 508-996-0500. If you want to call in and chime in on um, anything, really, but if you want to talk about what happened yesterday, we can, we can certainly discuss that. Um, uh, one thing that I, I will say about it, and I don't, I don't want to dwell on it too much, because there's a lot of other places that you can go and you can talk about that. And also Jessica's going to talk about it quite a bit. But one thing that I noticed, you know, during Barry's show is there were a lot of phone calls from people who were calling in with information. Oh, well, I heard this and I heard that and I heard that. And, and I would just warn anybody in any breaking news situation. The, the problem is, is people have this, this self-satisfaction to call in and share something and, and, and act like they were some kind of an insider. Like, you weren't an insider. You were just reading things on the internet or watching things on TV. And it's one thing if you are, you know, updating Barry on the latest because obviously he's in here doing the show. He doesn't get to see every single thing that's going on. Uh, he doesn't get to see everything that's posted online. Uh, he doesn't get to follow everything that's going on on social media. 
So he's at, at, a, at a bit of a disadvantage. So it, it's okay to call up and and uh, and and share. Oh, Barry, in case you hadn't known, in case you didn't hear, they had reported this. They have reported that. But there's a difference between that and you know something that you saw somebody post on the internet. And that's why you see a lot of these articles that come out and say you know things like. And I hate it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I hate it. I hate it when it happens. I hate it when you see any breaking news thing like this that's that's a you know a tragic story. And then you see something like Nashville shooter, five fast facts. Here's what we know about the Nashville shooter. Like I don't I, I don't like those types of presentations. Like it just it it feels icky to me. Like I saw a lot of, you know, content creators on social media who make humorous content tackle this topic and they kind of led into it with humor. And I, I get it. They, they were using their platform to, to, to sound off with their feelings about it, but it's not the right setup, you know? So, but anyway, I, I would just caution you to, to be careful about sharing information because that's how a lot of misinformation gets out there and starts, starts, uh, adjusting the way that people view it to the point where now later on they're not going to believe the facts when they come out like just for an example and this is again this is not slamming on anybody it was it was the heat of the moment with everything going on and you're just trying to bring all the all the things to the table that you can but you know the discussion that all oh, somebody left the door open for the for the shooter to come in the door was open the shooter just walked right in no the shooter shot out the windows and opened the door like there's surveillance footage now that shows that so just little things like that, that, you know, this, that, then that takes the, the, the conversation in the direction of, well, why aren't these doors locked and, and what's going on? And then that leads to somebody wanting to go walk into their local schools to see if the doors are open and put everybody in an unnecessary panic and then get charges filed against themselves over it because, you know, this, this information got out there and, and it's, it's not exactly accurate. So that's, it, it's probably the news person in me who has learned over the years, you know, wait Wait and see. Don't automatically take everything that you see as the truth. As, uh, as the sign says in our newsroom, trust, if it's still up there, I don't know if it is, trust but verify. You know, trust that what you're hearing is, is, is correct, but also verify it before you disseminate it to other people. And that, that goes for any breaking news situation. It could be a fire it could be a car crash. It could be, um, you know, we've, we've had many situations, unfortunately, here on the South Coast in recent months where we've had bomb threats, bomb scares, threats of violence against schools that all turn out to be hoaxes. But in the moment, there's a lot of stuff that people start sharing that may or may not be true. And that it's hard. It's hard to reel back rumor, especially when that rumor sounds believable, when that rumor sounds plausible. So it's hard to be able to reel that back in, to, to put that cat back in the bag, that genie back in the bottle, whatever euphemism you want to use for it. It's once people start having that become what they believe about the situation, it's, it's, it's hard to, to bring them back to it. It's hard to bring them back to what the truth is. So that's why, I mean, it's, it's raw emotion that you're feeling. 
as a tragedy like that unfolds. And sometimes where our emotion can cloud the logical part of you. That's why I always say, you know, here I want you to, to call in and talk from, from logical standpoints, not just from emotional standpoints. Because letting those emotions play out is certainly something that's necessary. You need to process that. You need to process how you feel about it. But don't let misinformation rule that because it's only going to make things worse for you and make it harder for you to reconcile with what the actual truth is. You know, and that's how these, that's how these uh, complaints get out there. We're like, whoa, well, we're, we're lied to. They, they cover things up. No, they don't cover things up. You just had wrong information as things were unfolding and that turned out to be incorrect, but you just don't want to admit that you were wrong in that moment. So you believe the misinformation and not the accurate information. Anyway, 508-996-0500. We will uh, take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. Welcome back in, 508-996-0500. I forget how great of an album that was, Waking Up the Neighbors, Brian Adams. And it's really interesting that that album completely changed the way Canada handles its music industry. Uh, We'll get into that sometime. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Hi, Tim. How are you? Good morning. Oh, I got a bad cold. You had one too, didn't you? Not long ago. Yeah, I've had, it's crept up on me a couple times uh, the past uh, the past winter here. I was I got I I was almost out of the woods. I I usually get one a year, but in the winter. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Somebody near me was sneezing, and I don't know. Maybe I should wear the mask more. I I, I never wear the mask anymore. I mean, when except I for, I was uh, gonna say when I wore it all the time, I I never got a cold. So there's that. Um, but it's so uncomfortable, but I do wear it when I have to, you know, when it says you have to wear the mask to come in the doctor's office. Yeah. I was in the doctor's office yesterday and, and I had a, a, a meeting and it was about an hour long. And I was like, this is probably the longest I've worn a mask in a long time. But Hawthorne Medicals, um, uh, are lifting that now. I'm surprised they lifted it. Yeah, I mean, time I was there. When, when, if you remember, I mean, if, if people remember before the pandemic, I mean, there were, there were people who would wear masks to the doctor's office. Anytime you go to places where people are going there because they're sick, you know, there's going to be some folks who decide not, not to wear a mask or decide to wear a mask, rather. All right. I just want to get rid of it. You want it? <laughs> <laughs> no, then I won't be able to talk and I'll have to take days off. And... <laughs> All right. So listen. Uh, I, how about those bones that they found? That's kind of spooky. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, I guess they. So they found uh, it was in uh, Stoughton, was it, where they found uh, some human remains, but not in a grave. So they're wondering how that might have happened. Oh, it was in Stoughton. I think so. I thought so. Isn't that isn't that where it happened? I don't know what what town it was in, but it said it just said that they were digging a grave for a a new person to get put in the. I guess the casket, right? Yeah, and me, they found, huh? Let me see if I can find where it, where it happened. 
and they found remains and they are investigating it. I guess they're looking at, they can tell who, who it belongs to, right? By the dental work. If there's if there's something that if there's if there's uh, something they can match it up to, yeah. So you would have to. I mean, the the problem is is can you match it up if you don't know? You know, uh, well, I mean, I guess they'll be able to have a rough idea of how old they are, right? I don't know you. I thought you might know more than me. Uh, well, I mean, that. every time that I've tried to get rid of human remains, I've always. I mean, n- n- never mind. Forget I said that. Forget I said that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think that there'll be, um, you know, there'll be some processes they can do to try to, to narrow down who it is. But I think that what they'll also do is they'll probably, you know, uh, run it up against any missing persons cases, too. I know. it, But could you imagine somebody would do that? So, in other words, they, they dug a shallow grave? Yep, it was, uh, it was, cemetery, at, it was at Dry right? Pond Cemetery in Stoughton. So they, they, they dug a shallow grave, right? Uh, I don't see how deep it was. And then they just put the the remains in it, right? And nobody knows how long it was there. Yeah, but the the thing about that cemetery is is it it also has graves that go back to the 1700s. So this could have been a matter of you know somebody was buried in a spot that was just unmarked, and then they went to go dig it up, thinking that it was. It was, um, uh, you know, a, a, a fresh, unused space. And then unbeknownst to them, there was somebody there. It's, it'd be one thing if they found it, like, in, in, a, in a casket, though, because then that would make sense if somebody buried somebody there and there was, um, there was no marker and they just didn't realize that there was a grave. That person should be in a casket. But this, I, is, this is just remains found. I know, but, Tim, how could, you, how could somebody do that um, so quick without anybody seeing them doing oh, it? Oh, it's, it's, it's entirely possible. Does anybody think anything weird about somebody digging a hole in a cemetery? You would think that that's actually natural. So if you see somebody digging a hole, you're not thinking twice about it. Plus, if they did it at night, I don't know the lay of the land there, but think of a place like Burial Hill in Plymouth. You know, when you're up there, you could be up there burying a body, and, and nobody would know because nobody can see up there. Really? Yeah, it's it's so high above the ground level that if you're up there digging a hole, unless somebody walks up the the stairs to see where you are and see what you're doing, you, you can get away with it. Not that I'm that's suggesting spooky. anybody does that. Please, please don't. That's spooky. I want to see what what becomes of that one. Okay, I'm listening. Thank you. All right, you have a good day, and uh, bye we'll, bye. You too. We'll we'll see if we can follow up on that and get a, get a little bit more information. But the Norfolk County District Attorney's Office has kind of taken things over with that. Um, and, and I'm sure they'll have the updates on it, but it's not uncommon either. And, and again, I don't know anything about this because the stories that I, that I saw before and, and the story that I'm looking at now doesn't really have any real details about the condition of the remains. Like what, what are the remains? The DA's office said that the circumstances of the discovery are unusual and concerning. So I'm assuming that that means, and again, if you're eating breakfast, I, I apologize, but that they're, they're relatively fresh remains, that they're not just bones. And it says remains. It doesn't say bones. If, if, if human bones were found, I could see them putting that in the story. Human bones found in cemetery. Uh, remains imply that there is still some, please excuse the expression, meat on the bone. So there's probably reason to believe that this was relatively fresh because it is it's not uncommon for i would again 
if you're buried in a pine box in the 1700s, maybe maybe that pine box isn't isn't there anymore when they dig up your remains, when they find your bones. Maybe that pine box is kind of rotted away over time, been been eaten up by pests and all of those other things. But maybe that's, you know, obviously they would know that, right? Obviously they would know that and they would say, well, we, we have reason to believe it might have been just an older grave that was discovered that wasn't marked and, you know, Maybe people were buried without a casket. I don't know. I don't know because I don't know enough about burial customs. I know a little bit about burial customs going back that far from research that I've done, but I don't know everything. You know, if you were poor, would they just throw you in the hole? I don't know. But the um, the the choice of words, the choice of language used makes me think it's probably something more recent than that. But we'll we'll keep an eye on it. By the way, uh, I had somebody reach out to me not that long ago, maybe maybe back in early February, and they were freaked out because they went to a cemetery that had I think I think that they were um, taking a cemetery tour in England, and they found on one of the graves that had that cage. You know the cage that sometimes you see over graves? And the, they freaked out because they're like, when I was a kid, I remember going to a cemetery that one of my relatives were buried in, and I'd kind of forgotten about this, but until I saw this on the tour, it popped into my head that there was one of those on one of the graves in the cemetery where my relative was buried. Do you think my, my relative was buried in a, in a cemetery with a vampire? No, 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 those, those cages weren't designed to keep whatever was underground from coming up, it was designed to keep people above ground from going in and, and grave robbing. That's, that's what those were all about. And grave robbing was a huge problem, especially around here. Um, I think in the early to mid-1800s, there was a big wave of grave robbing. And it was literally just people opening up the... The graves digging people up and stealing their their valuables, and uh, if they were good about it, they would they would reinter the remains. <laughs> but a lot of times they didn't, and they just left them there and you know made off with their jewelry or whatever else they were buried with. Uh, when um, when you talk about the ghosts, I, I mentioned Burial Hill. When you talk about the spirits that haunt the uh, John Carver Inn, which is right at the base of Burial Hill, th- that story relates to the idea that there was a medical facility, uh, a home for medical students that was on that site. And the medical students at night would go climb up Burial Hill when nobody was around and they would dig up the f- freshly buried corpses and they would bring them down into their home and they would use them for experiments. They would use them as, as medical cadavers in their experiments. So they were robbing graves, but they were, instead of taking the valuables, they were taking the bodies and, exp- you know, and utilizing them for the pursuit of their education, but still not right. Still grave robbing. Whether you steal the valuables or you steal the bodies, it's still grave robbing. Uh, Makes me think of also uh, Count Von Kozel down in uh, Key West, Florida, who kept the body of the woman he was in love with until it just rotted away so much he couldn't keep it anymore. Anyway, 
This is all great stuff if you're sitting down to a, a big plate of uh, eggs. 508-996-0500. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a few moments. The dark side's calling out on his She'll never know just who I feel. the shadow, she walks like a dream. Baby, feel crazy, baby, feel so That is uh, John Cafferty and Beaver Brown, also known sometimes as Eddie and the Cruisers because of the movie. But uh, Beaver Brown is going to be playing at the Narrows Center in Fall River uh, this Saturday. And you can get tickets. It's, they're still available. But, of course, you get to see New Bedford's own Michael Toons and Toons as part of Beaver Brown, too. So I remember getting to see them at the uh, Otis Air Force Base opening up for the Beach Boys. Uh, I believe that was summer of 91. So... Um, 91 or 92. I think, yeah, 91. Summer of 91. Or summer of 9. Yeah, summer of 91. And uh, they were just, they were phenomenal. I, I think I enjoyed them even more than the Beach Boys. And I, and I love the Beach Boys. Uh, also, just a, a note out there. I want to let the listeners who suggested yesterday, and I, I don't even remember how this came up, but they had suggested that I try a, a peanut butter and jelly burger. A, a burger, a cheeseburger with peanut butter and jelly on it. So I, like I said, I had a, a doctor's appointment yesterday and I went over to um, the Walmart there in Wareham and said, what can I, what can I get to, to make this the best experience? And I'm like, I, I, I did research. I looked online and I saw on some menus and some, some, uh, some cooking websites, how people prepare this. So I did a little research to how to do it best. Got some hamburgers, some extra sharp cheddar cheese, some bacon, and then when I um, when I made the burger, I put a little peanut butter and jelly on the bottom of the bun, a little peanut butter and jelly on the top of the bun, and uh, and I ate the burger, and it was it was really good. I mean, it's not something I think I would eat a lot, but uh, as an every now and then thing, sure. So good suggestion. Thank you to those who suggested it. Um, I really did enjoy it. I don't think that's going to become the new way I eat burgers, but you know maybe if I go somewhere and it's on the menu. Maybe I'll try it, but uh, it was it was definitely better than I thought that it was going to be. The flavors worked better together than I thought. So thank you to those who suggested it. And if you have weird food suggestions, I'm always willing to try them. Just no cottage cheese, no beef liver. I tried the cottage cheese again a few weeks ago. Couldn't do it. Uh, I got you know everybody was like, well, get the kind with fruit in it, and then it's so much better. So. I love pineapple. I got the pineapple cottage cheese and I took two bites out of it and was like, nope, done with that. Made a TikTok video of it and I'm getting a lot of responses from people who say the same thing, that, that cottage cheese is gross. So I'm not the only one. And it's not a texture thing for me. I have no problem with the texture of it. That doesn't bother me. I just don't like the taste of it. Anyway, 508-996-0500. Um, 
Rob, uh, Bob Cabral says, Cafferty is awesome. Love when he plays in Dartmouth at the beach. Yeah, I mean, they really are great. And they've, they've never really had a lot of breakout hits outside of the Eddie and the Cruiser soundtrack, which I'm a huge fan of. I love the movie. I love the soundtrack. Um, I had it on vinyl for years and would just listen to it over and over again in my room. But I think they had like, what, living in the, living in the city, living in the CITY. They had that was like a, a song. I think that was on a movie soundtrack too, but I'm not totally sure. And then I think they might have had a song on like a Stallone movie soundtrack. But for the most part, you know, the Eddie and the Cruisers movie is is what they're known for. But you've got you've got uh On the Dark Side. You've got Tender Years, which is a great song. You've got uh you know Betty Lou where Betty Lou needs a new pair of shoes new pair of shoes. Um Wild Summer Nights, Season in Hell. So I mean that's that that's pretty good. The problem is is like very few people look at the actual band name on that album. They're looking more at Eddie and the Cruisers. So yeah, well, totally, totally understandable though. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. If you want to call in and chime in, so we will get a little bit further into. Um, well, we will get a little bit further into some of the, the the discussions here about what's been going on in Nashville and also the way that it's being responded to locally. As you know, there are a number of school committee races. Uh, on on the ballot coming up for next week, April 3rd. That's election day in a lot of towns. And school committee openings uh, across the South Coast, many of them do have parents who are advocating for more school security. So it's uh, it's certainly something that's being discussed out there in the communities themselves, and, and uh, we can take your thoughts on it as well. Let's take a phone call here. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Morning, Tim. Oh, excuse me. Um, my brother's band opened up for uh, Eddie and the Cruises at Chippies in Dartmouth oh. years ago. Yeah, my brother, he, he played in the Lads. I don't know if you ever heard. you probably never heard of him. No, I, I, think, they, I think I have. Maybe it's from you oh, mentioning really? it, though. Maybe, oh, maybe that's yeah, why. Yeah, probably from Jamie, too. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah, they... Um, He's made albums and everything. My brother and um, yeah, they played with them, and I got I got their their autographs. I mean, they're I they're on the stairs. They're <laughs> a heck the of stairs. a band. They're wonderful. Yeah, they were really nice too. I got their autographs. They said nobody's allowed upstairs. I sat in the stairs until they said, "All right, you can come up." <laughs> <laughs> What's your so favorite song by own. them? What do you, What do you like the best? I like that song with Dark Side. I like yeah. that song. It's such a great I love song. That. Yeah, it is. I like I like all of them. They're, and, they're great. And what's funny is for a movie that you know takes that was made in the 1980s and music that was made in the 1980s, it it fits in either decade. Like it was, they were hit songs in the 80s, but they also seem believable to be you know a New Jersey bar band in the in the 1960s. Yeah, yeah, I know it. Jesus. And anyway, and Michael Antunes is the only member of the band that actually uh, yeah. got to be in the movie. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah had somebody right. He's from Dartmouth, I think, isn't he? Uh, I, I, thought, I thought New Bedford, but, you know, from this oh, area, okay. either way. Yeah. It does, either wanna, either way, he was great in that film, too. Like, sure. he, he was an important character. Yeah. And that girl, I, I listened to her, uh, Stephanie. Mm-hmm. I was listening this morning. She was great. Yeah. She, she's a well-spoken. Uh, she's really good. I'd like to have... I'd like to go see her whenever I find out when she's playing when she's around here. Yeah, is she, she mo- around this area. She so she is. She she works out of this area. She normally 
Um, she normally does mostly like one-on-one stuff, but every once in a while she does yeah. like larger stuff that, that, uh, people can, you know, get tickets to, but she, she's on with me most Saturday nights on Spooky South Coast too. I know. I've listened to it before. Yeah. She's, uh, she's, yeah, she's my best friend and she's, uh, yeah. she's certainly, she's certainly the only medium psychic, uh, that I would ever endorse. Well, that's, yeah, a lot of them I don't, um, but she sounds really like with that spark up there. Oh my God. I got chills. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, a boyfriend. that's what happens around her and around her and him. It's kind of just that electricity around them. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's funny. That's great. All right. All right. Well, you thank you for the day. call. You as well. And uh, right. we're going to take our final call, uh, final break of the hour, rather, and uh, room for you at 508-996-0500, or you can hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. We'll take a break and be back in a few moments. All right. We have about a minute here before we have to go into the news. Caller, do you want to hang on, or do you, can you make your point in a minute? Um, I can try. It's Courtney. Hi, Tim. Hi, Courtney. Well, wh- why, don't, why don't you hang on, and we can, we can pick this up on the other side, if, if you can hang on. Uh, yeah, I can hang on. All right, I'll put you on hold, and we'll be back after the news. And I, I just don't, looking at the clock here, I don't want to get into a discussion and have to cut you off with the news. So I will okay. put you. you on hold. And uh, we will pick up the discussion on the other side. If you want to call in, 508-996-0500. That is the number to call in. Or if you can't call in, you can use the WBSM app to send us app chat messages. That can be done super easy. It's just like sending us a text message. And uh, it's one of the many great features available on the WBSM app, which is brought to you by our friends from South Coast Towing. They make it so that you can get all these great, wonderful options in the app, like live traffic, live weather, breaking news alerts, listening to our stream, listening to our podcasts, even being able to set the app as your alarm to wake up with Phil every morning or whoever you wake up with. Uh, I don't judge. You want to wake up with me? That's fine. I kind of... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.